Welcome to Joyosity. I'm Jen Whitmer. I'm a speaker, consultant, and joy bringer, helping you create positive culture with complex people. Because listen, that's all we got. I'm thrilled you were here. So get yourself ready. Grab your multiple beverages, get your speaker, your headphones connected so we can dive in. True leadership requires more than just surface level strategies. It requires a profound connection to everything that makes us human. Each week, I have conversations with experts and leaders and you. If you're listening live, introduce yourself in the comments. Let us know where you are in the world and maybe what's in that mug on your desk. We're connecting as humans, remember? These conversations aren't just fun banter and information. Joyosity is so much more than a live show and a podcast. It's a movement, a space where we dare to explore the depths of our own hearts and minds, a liminal space where you are free to play around and beta test your own growth, sort of like a test kitchen lab for your leadership skills. It's where you discover that real joy has deep roots, a playground to find the hidden truths, the ideas waiting to be explored, and the untamed potential that lies within you. We're not just hanging out in idea land. We're talking about the best actions that develop you as a person and hone your skills as a leader. If you're an experienced leader or just starting out, Joyosity is the community for you. Join us every Monday live at 1 p.m. Eastern on LinkedIn and YouTube for a dose of inspiration and practical advice. Whether you are live in the comments or catching the podcast later, we're here to help you create a place where work is a joy, people are whole, and organizations flourish. Let's go. I don't know about you all, but it's been a little bit of a rough week. <laughs> there have been lots of things happening and it included in my life having a difficult conversation with a dear friend. And before I had that conversation, there was a lot happening inside my head. A lot about, oh, if I do this, then, oh my gosh, she's going to be mad at me for this reason. Or I don't even know why I'm going to have this conversation because I don't know what's going to happen at the end. I mean, I was spinning out narratives that would have affected our grandchildren. And it was something else, ladies and gentlemen. And <laughs> they kind of get myself together. And I, I'm curious if you ever have that feeling when you are heading into some kind of conflict, some kind of negotiation, you're doing a performance review, or you need to talk to a team member about something, and you've got all of this stuff happening inside your head. I, I feel like that's a common experience, but I'd love to hear if you've had that experience in the past. Um, because I feel like it's such a common experience, I really wanted somebody to come on and talk about not only what is it like in a negotiation, but how do we handle that internal pro internal processing? And Kwame Christian, I couldn't think of anybody better. I really, really couldn't. He is a podcaster of at least two shows. I think there might be a third one now. He's written two books and he is the founder and president of the American Negotiation Institute and just a delight of a human, a dad and a husband. And I'm just so excited to introduce you to Kwame as he comes on the show today. There we go. Hey, good to see you, Jen. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm so thrilled that you are here. Um, we Could you just give the people, I always like to start with a little bit of how did you get here? Just a little bit of your story with all of these amazing things that you have done. 
I'm sure you didn't like graduate high school doing all of these things. So how did you get to this place in your life and career helping people through conflict and negotiation? Well, I, I think a good place to start actually is just about two minutes ago when you asked a really insightful question, who here has had that experience? I have had that experience a number of times, feeling that fear and trepidation before a difficult conversation. And I still have that feeling. And so <laughs> it's it can be a bit, trigger a bit of imposter syndrome too, because I say to myself, hey, aren't you that negotiation guy that people come to? But I think it's really important for us to, both as experts in the field to, yeah. to just be humans first and recognize that this is a, a challenge for both of us. Everybody who is listening is going to struggle in difficult conversations in one way or another, and we're going to have those inner stories that might hold us back and just recognize this is completely normal and part of the journey. Yes, it's so normal. And I think, I mean, and you've alluded to that we first have to be humans as experts in the field. I can't just tell you, yeah, this is the way you do it. And like, pretend that I'm immune from that. <laughs> that doesn't, that doesn't work well, uh, first as a human level, but it also doesn't work in the the tactics and strategy that we help people learn. So absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, so I want to start our conversation, the meat of our conversation um, with defining some terms, setting up an idea of um, what do you see the relationship is between conflict and negotiation? How do you, how do you talk about those two together? Yeah. And so I think we have to recognize that this, whatever it is we talk about when it comes to difficult conversations in general, whatever genre it happens to be, it has to be mindset versus skill set too. Well, mm -hmm. not versus, mindset before skill set. Let me yes. clarify. Because we have to have the right mindset in order to put our skill set into action. And oftentimes the proper behaviors will flow organically from the proper mindset. So we have to start there. And so for me, as a recovering people pleaser, this is something that's been a challenge. And so again, I just want to let people know that there's hope on the other side. And so when we think about conflict and negotiation, I like to think very simply, and then first, then we can go a little bit deeper into the, the nuances between it. So first, with my definition of negotiation, I consider a negotiation to be anytime you're in a conversation and somebody in the conversation wants something, that's a negotiation. Because mm -hmm. I don't want people to just look at this as a process, even though it is a process, or a skill, even though it is a skill. I want to mm -hmm. think about negotiation as a life philosophy, and we can mm -hmm. filter all human interaction through this. And so when I think about conflict, again, erring towards simple definitions, I think about a conflict as a negotiation with attitude. There is, <laughs> <laughs> it is the same thing as a negotiation, but there is an emotional element that makes it particularly challenging. Because when we think about a conflict, conflict often comes about because of misunderstandings, disagreements, mm -hmm. we have different uh, perspectives on things, but oftentimes it comes about due to a problem that we're both experiencing or experiencing differently, um, or competition over scarce resources, time, yeah. resources, whatever it happens to be. And then negotiation is the process that we use as a problem-solving tool to address those challenges. But if we recognize there's a, there's a commonality in terms of negotiation and conflict resolution, and it's just that element of emotion that makes the conflict a little bit more challenging. Now we can bring the skill sets of a no negotiation and conflict resolution to this really predictable, difficult conversation. Yeah, that's such a good, I love that simple definition though, a negotiation with an attitude. Uh, and, and, and I really want to underline the idea that it is a mindset before a skill set. Um, often when I'm doing keynotes or workshops around conflict, I say that conflict resolution is first a posture and then a set of skills. So it's the mm -hmm. same idea. Like we have to approach it in the right way. Otherwise, all the skills that I give you are going to 
not be as effective. If I tried to take off a light switch and I've got my screwdriver, if I'm trying to do it like this behind me, not super effective. I have the right tools. I know how to turn my hand, but I'm in the wrong posture. So it's a great way to think about it, that mindset before skill set. Um, so as I was telling in the story at the beginning that, um, you know, this internal thought life that we have, I always think of it as, you know, there's a movie that we are creating every time because we're creating meaning about something. And because we're narrative creatures, we're story-based creatures, that's how we think about it. We just are internal stories. So when you are approaching a negotiation and you're trying to help people or yourself through that mindset part first, what are some of the things that you try to catch? What are some of the mindset maybe red flags or things that you're like, oh, wait a second, I need to, I need to pull on that because that's not going to help me when I get to the skill set. Yes. So first we have to recognize it's going to be different for different people. Sure. So the, the emotional and psychological challenges that I have faced are going to be different from yours and other people's. So it all starts with an internal negotiation. And in my <laughs> first book, Finding Confidence in Conflict, that's what we explored. Because I was really excited to give a really technical book, uh, like the encyclopedia of everything you want to know in negotiation. That's what I wanted to do. But mm -hmm. then I asked the audience of the Negotiate Anything podcast what they were interested in. And in the survey responses, two words kept on coming up, confidence and conflict. Mm -hmm. They were afraid of having difficult conversations. So they were afraid of conflict. And number two, they felt like they didn't have the confidence. And so what I recognize is that for years in the negotiation industry, we've been giving recipes to people who are afraid to get in the kitchen. It's yeah. not a skills issue. It's a mindset issue. And we have to address that. So with that internal negotiation, we have to recognize that there is a level of performance and certain outcomes that we're looking for in these difficult conversations. And we're recognizing that we're not performing at the level that we need to perform at in order to accomplish that goal. What's holding us back? And so what we have to do is start with the baseline level of emotional intelligence, which starts with self-awareness. What is it I'm feeling? What are the yeah. consistent feelings that I'm uh, that I'm feeling in the moment? What are the stories I'm telling myself about the other person, about myself and about this process? And then you can start to recognize the approach that you need to create for yourself in order to become more empowered. And so this is yeah. based on cognitive behavioral thinking uh, therapy. We're mm -hmm. recognizing that there are problematic thought patterns. We have to identify those thought patterns and replace them with thought patterns that are both true, but also more empowering. And just recognizing that you have the ability to change your own story is yes. so empowering. It's so empowering. And one of the things that I, um, I'm pretty sure I learned this from you, um, is this idea that confidence isn't a feeling, it's a skill. It's something that we build. And it sent me back into my education days of dealing with self-efficacy. And self-efficacy is a big fancy word for confidence mm -hmm. that I, what I've, you know, I've done this before, I can do it again, or I can imagine doing this well, so then I can do it. Or I've watched this person do that well, so I can do like, there's all these components to building confidence, including emotional regulation and coaching and feedback, you know, cause once we do it, we can like think it's great, but it, <laughs> we have to get some feedback on the other end to make sure that we're not, you know, going off the deep end. But that idea that confidence can happen in this internal negotiation, it is one of the most empowering things to realize I actually have control over my own thoughts. Like mm. I can do this, I can change the way I think is, I think, one of the first steps to really 
projecting confidence? Because that's the question I get a lot. How do you project confidence in a conflict? And I was like, I don't know if that's what you want. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's what you want in a conflict. Absolutely. And as a recovering conflict avoider, that's what I am. Um, I can I identify that. You know, I was always like, well, how do I just, you know, kind of project this, that I can do this? And that's actually not the most helpful posture. Um, so when you were talking in, in your book, I always go toward curiosity when I'm thinking about internal stories, what are some of the things and questions you help people ask for that internal mindset? Yeah. So when you think about my framework for conflict resolution, it's called the, the compassionate curiosity framework. Mm -hmm. So it's a simple three-step framework. First step is acknowledge and validate emotions. Second step is get curious with compassion. And third step is joint problem solving. So it's a helpful mental model that we can use in every single difficult conversation we have. Now, this is the part about it that I love the most, but the part about it I get to talk about the least. And it's <laughs> the fact that I designed this to be beneficial not only for the external conversation with other people, but first and foremost, we should be using it on ourselves. It's designed for a method of self-negotiation um, and also emotion management and decision making when reflected internally. So I designed it in the exact same way to be a tool for yourself. So we're going to acknowledge and validate our own emotions, beliefs, yes. and conclusions. So I'm going to label out what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, and what I believe. Just list all of those things in this scenario. Then I'm going to get curious with self-directed compassion. I'm going to ask myself, why am I feeling this way in order to get a better understanding? And then with the last step, what we're going to do is with joint problem solving, we're reconciling the differences between our hearts and our minds. So what would actually satisfy me emotionally? And then also, what should I actually do in this moment to make the situation better? And so as you start to practice this, you can actually start to do it in the middle of a difficult conversation to restabilize and then perform more at, at a much higher level during the conversation. And so that's the framework that I suggest people use when it comes to that internal negotiation to overcome those psychological and emotional barriers for peak performance. Yeah. I mean, we can let emotions just swish us to the wind, you know, and like go wherever they go, or we can pretend that they're not there. And right. neither, neither approach is helpful. Like actually accurately identifying it, I have found is the most helpful thing. So I was joking. Well, I wasn't joking. It is a true story. Um, in uh, When I was promoting our episode about my son beating me in chess for the very first time. And I think he was like six or seven. Like it was really early on. Uh, and I was like, I started to have this internal spiral of like, how am I going to parent this kid at six if he's beating me in chess already? Uh, and, and I started to realize that emotionally I was feeling inadequate and I was feeling insecure. And when I could identify that that was the emotion rather than feeling disrespected, which would have been a very different approach because I didn't feel disrespected, but it could have easily gone there. And like, I'm going to make this kid respect me, you know, and he's the oldest of four. That would have been a bad approach. Um, <laughs> like there's a lot more coming after him to, to parent through. And now he's 21 and great. And I, you know, successfully got over my story that I couldn't parent him if he beat me at chess. But that, I mean, it's kind of a funny example, but we do that sometimes if we mislabel the emotion we kind of go on the wrong track in getting where we're wanting to go. So when you are um, thinking about that internal process, since you don't get to talk about it a lot, what's another aspect of that? You're like, oh, I wish that people could really grab this. Like this would be such a helpful internal process for you. Yes. And I'm laughing because in my book, I have a funny story about uh, chess 
And well, because you also are a chess aficionado. Yeah, yeah, 20,000 games of chess on chess.com. It's uh, unbelievable. It's an addiction. <laughs> I, I'm working through it. But I remember one time I was playing somebody, and chess.com, when you're in the chat, it can get kind of ugly. You know, Oh, you yeah. I've seen my over. son's chess.com. I'm like, wow, that was yeah, intense. <laughs> it's pretty intense. And I remember we I had this really several games in a row with this person, and they were going back and forth talking a lot of trash. And then um, I finally beat them, and I was, <laughs> I was letting them know. And and then the person said, I'm 12. I'm 12 oh. years old. I was in law school at the time. And so I was like, man, I can't, that this, this is unacceptable, but I cannot lose this interaction. So the only thing I could think of was coming back and saying, I'm 11. And then I logged <laughs> off. <laughs> so we have all fallen short. And I think that's important. Oh my God. That amazing. amazing. Yes. Yes. Oh. So yeah, I think, but again, it, when we are able to analyze this at a, at a higher level, it gives us so much more clarity. And I think one of the biggest things that's so empowering about this is recognizing that there's a difference between thoughts and truths. Yes. So if I think something, that does not necessarily mean that it's true. But if I yes. think something over and over and over and over again with consistency, then that becomes a belief. But again, mm -hmm. it's just the same thought regurgitated over and over again, that belief doesn't mean that it's true. And so I can feel things, I can believe things, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. So it gives us a process of ge very gentle, but effective self-challenging, so we could actually go a little bit deeper. I will honor and acknowledge the fact that I'm feeling these things and I believe these things. That is real. Mm -hmm. But the veracity of those beliefs that is something different. And so yes. we can go a little bit deeper. And once you unlock that truth, that real truth, after going through this process, it, it steers you in a different direction. Like here's a very simple, clear example. Anger is a secondary emotion, not a primary emotion. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we say, I feel anger ang or angry, and then I'm going to do what the anger tells me to do. But if we recognize, wait, I'm feeling angry, what else am I feeling? Let's go a bit deeper. I might be feeling, like you said, inadequate, or I might be questioning my abilities. The The difference between those, um, those labels are very important because the way that I deal with anger is different from the way that I deal with feelings of inadequacy. And so it helps us to self-diagnose and then self-regulate at a much higher level because we have a lot more clarity. Absolutely. I'm hosting a retreat for women leaders in March and part of the day or part of the two days is really digging into this idea of not every thought that you believe is true. Mm -hmm. Like, because, and how do then we, how do we then change that thought? Changing the thought is actually where the power comes in, but you yeah. can't change a thought until you identify what it is. Like that's the key. And it is such a powerful, not only negotiation skill, but just as you were saying that a negotiation is a conversation where somebody wants something. I mean, that's a client, that's a boss, that's your team. Like it's a leadership skill to identify your internal story and then choose how to change that uh, because it's such a powerful tool in living really an effective, but also liberating life. Like it's not just in the area of work or parenting or a spouse. Like it's it's really everywhere because we have all of these thoughts and stories we create. And is it true? Is just a simple question that can send you down so much clarity that you didn't have before. Um, so I appreciate that story so much. And I can't believe our time is up. I'm looking at the time. I, I always tell every guest, I will genuinely be shocked and I won't want to stop and I'm not making it up. Uh, <laughs> this, this is how it goes. 
Oh, thank you so much for your expertise, sharing that very simple framework of identifying and validating your emotions. Step two, remind me again. Getting curious with compassion. Curious with compassion, because you know I love curiosity, as we're called joyosity here. Uh, and then moving to problem solving. Like, it's just such a powerful framework for really so many things, but that we start that internally first um, before externally executing on that is really, I think, the key to what we're what we're talking about today. So thank you for your expertise and your time and your story. Uh, being 11, that was that's truly amazing. <laughs> um, Shelby's telling us that she really hopes that kid watches this someday and and figures it out. I know. I, I think that would be phenomenal. That would be the worst. But oh no, I'm I'm looking for this. I'm gonna find this kid. I'm sure my son who hasn't played quite quite twenty thousand on uh, chess.com, but uh, <laughs> just, it might have been him. Who knows? Might have been. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for being here. I so appreciate your time. Next week, it is a solo episode with me talking about your internal leadership story. So kind of continuing this conversation because uh, we are here live every week at 1 p.m. Eastern uh, for the Joyosity Show because I uh, really want to help you create that positive culture with all the complexities of the people that you work with. So thanks for being here today. And thanks for being here, Kwame, so much. And we will see you all later. Bye. Bye. So let me put my coach hat on for just a sec. Don't just leave this here. Take a moment. What did you learn? What's your next tiny action step? Share this episode with someone and tell them. Connect with us to keep this conversation going. As always, I'm Jen Whitmer. Thank you for listening to Joyosity. I don't take for granted that your earballs have a lot of information coming at you. Please take a moment to rate and subscribe. It really helps more people join us in creating positive culture with complex people. So work is a joy, people are whole, and organizations flourish. Can't wait for you to join us next week.